Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. to give you the whole sermon very quickly because um, if, if I run over time, you're going to check out on me anyway. So, um, uh, but, but here it is. Some of you take copious notes. You write down every word that I say, and I understand that. Um, so, here it is, the whole sermon, one sentence, uh, do with it, you know, but here it is. Jesus condemned the rule makers. Jesus embraced the rule breakers so that he might bring us to the ruler of all. Jesus condemned the rule makers. Uh, there were a lot of rule makers back in the days of Christ. Uh, uh, my favorite group is the Pharisees. That's, uh, that's my kind of people. These are, these are my folks. The Pharisees, religious people, professional religious people, and rule-making people, uh, they, they loved uh, rules. Now, I'm not talking about the Word of God. They didn't write the Word of God. They didn't write the law of God. And in fact, Jesus said that the law is eternal, that not a jot or a tittle, you're not going to take off the dot off an I or the crossbar on a T, that the law of God will never fade away. It's never going away. That's what the law of God is. An eternal God speaks an eternal word, gives us an eternal law. It's not going anywhere. But what the Pharisees did was they thought this law is so important and, and we don't want to get up here and break the law, so let's make some rules to keep us so far back we don't even risk breaking the law. And so they started making up man-made rules that uh, they imposed on other people and said, this is what you have to do in order to please God. And, and I love the rules. They, they had scads of them. It's a Hebrew word. And, uh, the, the, you know, one of my favorite rules had, had to do with um, uh, Sabbath keeping, you know. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Don't break the Sabbath. Don't work on the Sabbath. You can't do any work on the Sabbath. They tried to figure out, what, what does it mean to work on the Sabbath? They figured out, well, one thing it means is, is that if you're a tailor, you're not allowed to put a needle and thread in your coat. The reason being that as you go through the Sabbath, you might be tempted to sew a loose button on your friend's uh, coat. Now, uh, if somebody else does it, that's fine. That's an ox in the ditch and all that other business. But if you're a tailor and you do that, that's your profession, that's your job, and therefore that is work. They tried to figure out what does it mean to work on the, on, on the Sabbath? What, you know, how much can you lift on the Sabbath before you're working? And they thought, well, you have to feed yourself, so uh, you really shouldn't eat more than, say, uh, about half a fig at a time. And so they said you can lift the weight of half a fig without working. So some guys cleaned up by creating hybrid figs that were like, you know, humongous. But this is the kind of thing to do. You know, how far can you travel on the Sabbath before you're working? Well, uh, it's, it's only so far, and, and, and so you draw a circle around your, your house. And they had all these rules about how to keep the law. They were rule makers. They are my kind of people. Now, the other rule makers in the days of Jesus were the Sadducees. 
The Sadducees and Pharisees didn't see eye to eye on everything. The, the Pharisees liked the temple, but they were really more into the synagogue thing. And uh, the Sadducees were more into the temple. They didn't mind the synagogue, but they really didn't go there. They, they just basically worked in the temple. And they had all kinds of rules and regulations about how to keep the sacrificial laws. And that's why you had money changers in the temple to make sure you had the rule-approved kind of money uh, that you would give uh, to the um, uh, uh, to the priests and, and, and for the, the kinds of regulations there. So the, the Sadducees had all kinds of rules um, as, as well. And then there was a third group. You, you, you may have heard them. They were called the Essenes. And the Essenes look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they said, your rules are all wrong. We got better rules. And so they said, uh, we can't be with you because you have the wrong rules. And so the Essenes went to a place called Kirbet Qumran. Uh, there they wrote something called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls are full of uh, rules and regulations about what you can and cannot do if you're going to be a good member of this this uh, society in this village. So there's, there's rules all over the place in the days of Jesus. And if anything is clear, it is this. Jesus came and he condemned the rule makers. Used words like hypocrites. Ask them why they put burden on other people that they weren't willing to share themselves. But what I've got to confess to you is that as I look at it, these Pharisees, these rule makers, they're my kind of people. Maybe they're your kind of people too, but they're my because I, I like rules, you know. I think it's in my DNA. It's God's fault. It's not my fault. But, it, you know, it, I'm just structured this way that I like rules. And if you step out a rule, I get really, you know, sort of insecure about it and I get kind of antsy about it. Um, I have what is biblically known as the horn of righteousness. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about here. It's the horn of righteousness. And so when I'm driving down the road and somebody pulls a U-turn where it says left turn only, I mean, what are they doing breaking the rules? And so I inflict the horn of mm, righteousness on them like they care. You know, it's even worse when I'm driving the CRV. This is a, it's a Honda product, and it's, it's, uh, being Japanese, it's, it's very polite. And so, um, uh, you know, when, when somebody cuts me off in traffic and I, and I inflict the horn of righteousness, meep. Boy, they're shaking now, aren't they? But, you know, but when I see, see rules being broken, I just feel like, wait a minute, my world's going to fall apart. I've, we've got to have these rules. We've got to have these regulations. You have to do things a certain way. And if, and if you change things and you don't obey my rules, you know, and it, it might be written rules, it might be expressed rules, it might be rules that are just sort of a tradition that we've, we've acquired over the years that, you know, certain things are done certain ways. And if you break those rules, my, my world starts to collapse. One of my favorite stories about this church, this congregation, is that uh, when we got the grand piano, uh, it had to be moved from this side of the church to that side of the church. This is back in the old building, okay? That's because the grand piano opens a certain way and you want the sound to come out. Okay, so the, the piano was moved from one side of the church to the other. Do you know that there was a fracas? I mean, there, there was like an argument. You can't move the piano. Why not? It's always been over there. Well, it makes more sense to put it over here. But the rule is it's got to be over here. And so, you know, we get all uptight about this. By the way, we won and the piano was moved. But, uh, but the, point, the, the point being is I love these rules. You know? And maybe you like rules too. But a lot of times what rules are, they're just our opinions and it's just the way we inflict ourselves on others. And sometimes what our rules do is they cut us off from other people. 
They cut us off from folks who aren't exactly like us. They may not uh, dress the way our rules say you dress, and um, maybe they don't worship exactly the way I think they should worship. And maybe these rules are the kinds of rules where um, they're actually using uh, music that, that maybe I don't like, and, and the rules say, you know, I grew up with the rules that says it has to be this way. And, and so we get, we get uh, sort of immobilized and paralyzed by this mania for keeping man-made rules. And the good news is that Jesus Christ came, condemned the rule makers, and set us free from man-made rules. Read that religion. He set us free from thinking that our worth and our value and our acceptance to God depended on our keeping certain rules. So Jesus came and he condemned the rule makers. Now, we can see something of this surfacing in Peter's response here. Let me just point you back again to it. This is Acts chapter 10. And we're going to start here at verse 13, well, verse 12. Uh, you know, Peter is up on the roof. He's hungry, trance, vision. Sheet comes down, and in this sheet, there's all these animals, reptiles. Look, folks, my rules say I don't have to eat reptiles, all right? That's my rule, okay? You, you can break that if you want. But anyway, it says, has animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, I've taken care of your problem. You're hungry. Here's the food. Eat this stuff. It's, it's it, you know, it, it, this is what I'm telling you to do. Now, Peter should have known. Like we should have known, but we wouldn't either. But it was Jesus who said, this is, this is like Mark 7, 19 or so. Uh, Jesus had said to the people, he said, look, what goes into a person doesn't make them unclean. He said, what comes out makes them unclean. Because out of the heart comes the hatred and the sin and the bigotry and the violence and, and the lying and the stealing and the cheating. He says, it, it's not what you, what you eat and put in. It's what comes out of the heart that makes you unclean. That's the issue of, uh, of, uh, of what it means to be unclean. And the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to, to add in at the end of that, thus Jesus declared all foods clean. So Peter had been there. He'd listened to that. He had heard Jesus say, you know, uh, we don't need to get hung up on these rules about, about foods and clean and unclean and all that. We really need to be worrying about the heart. So that was the instruction that Peter had gotten. But look how he responds. The voice from heaven says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, by no means, Lord. <laughs> Have you ever counted the number of times Peter told God that God was wrong? Yeah, I mean, you've never done that, but, but Peter's doing that here. He's saying, God, you, you've, you've sort of missed the point here. I can't do that. The rules say that there's only certain foods I can eat. In fact, I'll explain it to you, God, because evidently you weren't, you weren't paying attention during class. But by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The issue in the Old Testament, by the way, is clean and unclean, not common and uncommon. But uh, he says, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. It's not just the unclean stuff that you forbade, you know, with that, that list there, but it's also the, the things that are common. You know, I've, I've got my rules. I don't even get close to the unclean. I'm, I've, I'm, I've got the common stuff eliminated. And so, God, I've got my rules. And, Lord, I can't break those rules because that's how I know I'm acceptable. That's how I know I'm a Jew. 
I mean, did you ever think about what these regulations of, of eating had to do with the Jewish identity and mentality back then? I mean, go to the opening pages of the Bible. God creates the man and the woman, plants the Garden of Eden, puts the man and woman in the Garden of Eden. And one of the first things, not the first, but one of the first things God says to them is, you can eat, right? You can eat of any tree in the garden, anything you want you can eat, except you may not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you can't eat of the tree of life. Those things you cannot eat. It's like the first sort of a, a script given to the human race had to do with diet. What you could eat and what you could not eat. And this was how they would express their obedience and embracing of the will of God uh, for, for their lives. It had to do with eating. And the first sin, the way that sin invaded the human condition and destroyed, you know, the, the, the perfection of God's creation, uh, the way that happened was when people violated the food laws. Okay, now you're, you're starting to understand why Peter thought that food laws were important. You know, Moses gave them the food laws in the wilderness. Here's what you can eat. Here's what you can't eat. You know, they were persecuted because of their food law. Uh, Daniel's friends, the book of Daniel, the opening chapters, you know, they, they were taken off into Babylon in captivity, and uh, the Babylonians came and said, look, here's what we're going to feed you. We're going to fatten you up. By the way, sign me up for that one. But in, anyway, he said, you know, we're going we're gonna to fatten you up. You're going to have all this rich food and drink, and, you, you, you know, you, you're just going to eat like, like crazy. And, and they said, no, we can't do that. That's not in keeping with what God told us to eat. You know, just give us some fruit and veggies, and we'll be fine. And they, and they were. But they were persecuted because of food laws and, and, and adhering to the food laws. And so when Peter says, no, 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 Lord, I obey the food laws, he was saying, I am going to be one of the heroes of the faith. I'm going to adhere to, to what I should be as an obedient, you know, son of Abraham. I'm going to ID with that. And you really can't blame him. I know I can't because that's where I am. I grew up in church. Some of you grew up in church. <laughs> I have a list of rules like you wouldn't believe. You know, you know what you have to do. You know, it's, it's not worship unless you do this and that. You know, um, you know, if, if we ever move the doxology, uh, we're, we're, we're going to collapse in a heap. We won't, won't know what to do. There'll be people in the aisles quivering. You know, what do I do? We'd... Look, I love the doxology, but where we sing it is not exactly written in Scripture. Okay. So, I, I identify with that rule thing. But Jesus came to condemn the rule makers, those people who took man-made rules and exalted them up to the level of God's law and said, this is how we're going to measure you. This is how we're going to determine whether or not you're acceptable with God or not. You know, and I'm, I'm, that, that's sort of where I am. Maybe you're more in the second half of that. Jesus came to condemn the rule makers, but he came to embrace the rule breakers. And this drove the Pharisees nuts. It just absolutely drove them up the wall. Jesus was constantly with the wrong people. Now, what was their complaint about him? He, what? Eats, right? He eats with sinners and tax collectors. You know your scripture. If you don't, take my word for it. You know, he was constantly having dinner with the wrong people, people that you shouldn't associate with. 
because the rules say you don't have dinner with people who are sinful and people who are, are, are in, and, you know, sort of uh, turncoats to the Jewish tradition and, and they're tax collectors. You just don't do that. And Jesus said, don't do that. He said, not only do I eat with sinners and tax collectors, let me tell you why. This is what God's going to do. This is what we're going to do for all eternity. And that's when he said, let me tell you about a guy who had 100 sheep, lost one, he went after it. Let me tell you about a lady who had 10 coins, she lost one, she went after it. Let me tell you about a dad who had a lost son, and he opened up his arms, and he waited until the son came back, and he embraced him and brought him in. And what did he do? They had a banquet, and they ate together. Jesus said, not only am I eating with these sinners and tax collectors, you better get on board too, because this is what we're going to do. And so Jesus is constantly, you know, eating with the wrong people. He was associating with the wrong people. Didn't matter that it wasn't their fault. They broke the rules. See, there's a rule. If you're a leper, you can't come in the village. If you're a leper, you've got this infectious condition. You might get the rest of us infected. We don't want that. It's yucky. So you stay away. We've got a court order. You have to keep your distance. And anytime we come around, you have to say, Tommy, Tommy, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. And Jesus goes up to these guys. He puts their hands on their shoulders. He says, what do you guys want? Jesus, we want to be healed. Fine, go show yourself to the priest. You'll be healed. They run off, they're healed. One comes back, says, thank you, you're welcome. And he, and he goes along his way. But Jesus was touching lepers. That breaks the rules. You know, and remember the woman with the issue of blood. Um, she had a medical condition, and for 12 years, nobody could, uh, could, could cure it. Uh, and uh, as a result of this condition, she was an outcast of society. Uh, good people didn't associate with her because of her uncleanliness. And she, she uh, you know, she didn't choose to break the rules, but her condition broke the rules. She's not an acceptable person. And she finds her way to Jesus, touches his garment. He says, whoa, boys, somebody touch me. <laughs> and the disciple says, you bet they touched you. I mean, look, you're surrounded by people. He says, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me and power went out for me. She came forward, and she's a little bit nervous because the rules said she's not allowed to touch people. The rules said you don't touch a rabbi. The rules said you don't have the, the audacity to reach out and grab the hem of a man's garment. That's what the rules said, but she had done it. And when she got in front of him, Jesus looked around. He says, look, folks, this is my daughter. That's how much I love her. She's family. And her faith has made her well. You know, don't you thank God that Jesus came to embrace rule breakers because there's a ton of rules in our world today. And you might be getting a, a lot of those signals about what you have to do, what you have to say, what you have to be like. You know, and you don't, you don't have to be in, in, in adolescence. You don't have to be a teenager to be worrying, what do people think? What should I wear? Are they going to laugh at me? We do this constantly. Folks, I'm in my 60s. I'm still doing this. I'm still worried about what people think because of the rules that are there. You know, and it, it can destroy your life. It, it robs you of the joy. It robs you of the sense of, 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 of security and of belonging. It leads to loneliness and frustration, and, and you just want to give up and throw up your hands because of these rules. And, and you, there's so many rules in this world today, and they won't even tell us what they are, you know. But uh, there's so many rules that, that, that our lives are just being robbed of all joy. And Jesus came to embrace people who can't keep the rules. And he just embraces us and he loves us. And he came to overcome all those 
rules. What a marvelous Jesus we have. So, Jesus came to get rid of the man-made rule makers, to set us free from a man-made system of rules and to set us free from being uh, just bogged down in our own uh, rules ourselves. And he came to embrace us when we can't keep the rules that, that an impossible world makes. Now, here's the thing. We not only can't keep the rules that other people make, we can't keep the rules that God has made. That's called the law. That's called the righteousness of God. And we can't keep that rule. And that's the one to worry about. But God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross in our place. He who kept all the rules died in the place of those of us who did not keep all the rules so that God would treat us as if we had kept all the rules. Now, if you want, what we're talking about there is Jesus died in our place. His righteousness was placed upon us so that when God looks upon a believer in Jesus Christ, he sees the righteousness of Christ and not the filthy rags of our unrighteousness because that has been taken and placed on the shoulders of Christ. He came to bring us to the ruler, to the sovereign, gracious, merciful God who loved us so much that he would not leave us in our rule frustration, if you will, but he came to bring us that we might joyfully be under the rulership of God, the lordship of God, the sovereignty of God. So I just want to ask you this morning, just, just very, very quickly, you know, where are you on that? Maybe you're a rule maker. And I sus if you are, you know, it's okay. Like I said, this is where I gravitate. I gravitate towards being a rule maker, you know, and rule enforcer. Um, but you can see how it just frustrates things. You know, one of the places that it'll really frustrate you is as a parent. When you're a parent, you have all these rules because you want your kid to be perfect. Well, you know he's not going to be perfect, but you at least want him to be functional. And, you know, you, you, you set up all these rules, and then your child has the temerity, the audacity to behave like a three-year-old because he's a three-year-old. <laughs> but you come out with these rules. No, you can't do that. Absolutely not. Fairboat and time out for you, you know, and, and you're doing all these kinds of things. You know, and you're, and you're just sort of stifling and frustrating your, your own child because you're so into rules. And I'm going to guess that the reason you do that is because you're insecure without those rules. You know, it's really hard to say, you know, three-year-old three -year children, they normally turn into four-year-olds. That sounds like bad news. No, they, 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 they eventually they, they turn into 18-year-olds. Okay, it hadn't gotten any better yet. Um, <laughs> Look, they eventually become functioning human beings that you can rely on for your retirement. So, you know, just don't <laughs> panic with all these things. But we, but we have these rules, and, and you can stifle a child, and you can totally frustrate a child by making that child think that your rules is all that matters, and, if they, and they won't be loved until they obey the rules. Yeah. So maybe you're on that, that rule-making thing. Look, Jesus is Lord. You're not Lord. And it's okay to let Jesus be Lord of your life. It's okay to let Jesus be Lord of your family. It's okay to let Jesus be Lord of your children. And to let his rule 
replace your rules. Now, I'm not saying abdicate as a parent. You know, and all I'm saying is keep a perspective on this. Understand that the goal in life is not to make your child a trained pet that will, you know, do what you say. The goal in life is to bring your child to the throne of God's grace where they will embrace the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that, that's what we're after. But Jesus came to set you free from that. And, and maybe you're a rule keeper and you know that you can't keep the rules because it's just not working. And the good news is Jesus died for you to give you freedom from that rule-keeping mania that's, that's going on there. Um, you know, and as a church, you know, listen up, church. This, this is like really good news for us. We don't have to satisfy somebody else's rules when we worship, when we do missions, when we do ministry. We are not shackled to some rules that were made in the past. We're not shackled to some rule that was made by some mega church in some other part of the country. All we are shackled to is the love of God in Christ Jesus, and we are given the power of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to the Father and to worship Him in spirit and in truth and to bring the honesty and the integrity of our hearts as we worship Him set free from the rules and the regulations of man. We'll do things decently and in order. Understand that. But we are not wedded to some rule. We are wedded to Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do this week. At some point, just look at yourself and say, am I a rule maker? Am I a rule breaker? But how can I be surrendered to the ruler in my life? And just let the Holy Spirit show you that, show you where, where you're sort of inflicting your own rules on other people, on a relationship, and, and it's damaging. Let the Holy Spirit show you where, you know, I'm, I'm just killing myself trying to keep rules that God didn't, didn't ordain, other people did. But then come under the sovereignty of God, as he is the ruler of all. Um, well, I promised myself I'd let you out at noon, but um, I've only got uh, a minute left. So I'd like to take about 20 minutes of that <laughs> and just talk about and remind you, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen. I mean, when Peter gets, uh, we didn't read it, we should have this morning, but uh, when Peter gets to Cornelius' house, he starts preaching to him and he says, you know, the first thing God did was he told me, I can't call people common. Jesus Christ died for them. In every nation, in every land, all over the world, no matter where you go, in every people, tribe, and tongue, everywhere, God's grace in Jesus Christ brings salvation to those who respond by faith. And so then he, he went on and he started talking. He said, look, let me tell you about Jesus. He was a man sent from God, and he performed all these miracles, and the power of evil was set on the run by Jesus Christ. By the way, they killed him. Anybody see a pattern here developing? God sent him. You killed him, sin killed him. And then Peter says, but God raised him. Amen. And then it says the Holy Spirit fell upon him. He said, the prophets tell you that in this Jesus, you have forgiveness of sins. And that's all that matters, that you come to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your sin's forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit takes over, takes the rest of it. So... Um, Spend the rest of the day, spend this week, just looking at your life. Am I a rule maker? 
trying to inflict my rules on others? Am I a rule breaker because I'm trying to live up to other standards? Or have I been brought by the blood of the Lamb to be surrendered to the ruler of all things, that I would glorify God through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. I want to really thank you for being here. Um, what I want to tell you is it's a lot easier preaching to, to folks who are out there than in an empty room. And Debbie gets mad at me if I just preach at her. So, um, you know, this, this like, been a better experience for me. But especially, uh, wow, you guys sang well today. I'm telling you, you, I'm, you know, we're getting a, a, a structural engineer in tomorrow to examine the, the roof. Uh, I'm afraid we've done structural damage to the building, how great that is. But you, you folks were just singing so well. And uh, just because of, of what you were doing, minister to me. I want to thank you for that. And thank you for being here. Thank you as we, we worship together. Uh, just sing the praises of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here. Let's pray together and then we'll go. And Father, again, we are just overwhelmed with the wisdom of your plan for us and, and, and the, the glorious um, power that you give to us to rise above where we are, to ascend to where you want us to be. Uh, Father, not by our doing, but by the grace of, of, of Christ working in us. And so, Father, I pray for all of us in this room that you would give us the courage of faith to leave the thoughtless, careless patterns of our lives and enter into a life in which we walk in the footsteps of Christ. For your glory, Father, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.